Well, ho, ho, ho. Did your 2019 not go, go, go the way you wanted? This is for you. You're listening to Inbox Besties, the only little guy approved podcast that gives you dangerously practical advice for turning internet randos into subscribers with benefits. You know, the kind that pop open their wallets and throw fistfuls of cash at you for your courses and, and coaching, not like that other stuff. Per. Now let's get to it. Welcome back, my inbox besties, besties. Kate Doster here of katedoster.com. And as always, I am super excited to be in your ear holes today. So this week's episode is actually the starter of our best of hidden gem series. So for this week and the next two weeks after, I am sharing some of my favorite episodes and honestly, your favorite episodes from the archives. So this week's was going to be our most popular interview. However, that actually happened like four weeks ago, and that was episode 115, Three Steps to Skyrocketing Your Ranking on Google with Mike Pearson. I love Mike Pearson. Pearson, I think he's the best. But I'm like, we just aired this one. I don't want to re-air it so soon. So big up to Mike. It's a great episode. There's a link to it in the show notes. And I'm like, you know what? This is the last Wednesday that we are spending together. And you might have a little bit of mental trash. Maybe some things in 2019 just did not work out. And it could have you a little bit mm, pessimistic about 2020. So I went ahead and actually pulled an episode all the way back from 2018, October to be exact, with Eden Freed all about how she turned a failed launch into a super successful membership community. Now, since this episode has aired, Eden has officially launched her very own podcast, the Rebel Boss Ladies Podcast, which I'm going to put a link to in the show notes. And she has since rebranded from the Bread and Butter blogging, I think it was Society, to Rebel Boss University, which I was 100% supportive of. That name fits her so much better than the Bread and Butter Society. I ever did. I know. So I was like, oh, what's in a name? And we had our, you know, a mini episode all about naming our thing. But I think that switching to this was such a great episode. And it really does show you that you can have perseverance, that you can reshape things, that you can upcycle content, that things are not over if things do not go as planned. So without further ado, guys, let's go ahead and kick it to Kate and Ethan just chit chatting all the way back in October of 2018. Now, today I'm really excited because we are talking about a subject that I think every online entrepreneur and business owner and blogger has experienced. And that is you spent all this time, effort, blood, sweat, and tears creating this ebook or course, or you're going to do a group coaching program, and then like nobody buys. So besides just like drowning yourselves in your sorrows and thinking I'm not enough, I'm such a loser, maybe I should just go get a job at Walmart because it'll be easier, I want you to just take a deep breath and listen to the interview that I did today with Eden Freed. So Eden Freed, you can find her blogging over at Edenfried.com. She is also the founder of the Bread and Butter Blogging Membership Community, which I absolutely love. But guys, here's something that is super special. Eden actually just launched a great podcast called the Rebel Boss Ladies Podcast, and yours truly is on it today. That's right, guys. So if you go ahead and click 
the show notes. There's actually a link, especially for my iTunes people. If you're listening on your iPhone, go ahead and click on that link. It's going to jump you right on over to the interview that I did with her. There's also a link for everyone else listening on Stitcher or Spotify that you can click so you can get over to her new podcast. It is absolutely fantastic. And what's really special is that we kind of made this like a two-part episode. So my episode over on the Rebel Boss Ladies is all about how to get people addicted to throwing money at you, buying these courses, these programs, all that sort of stuff. And this is the second part episode with maybe you created this new product, but nobody did want to throw money at you. What exactly do you do when? And Eden actually gets really real here. She actually admits that when she created her first course, literally nobody bought. And now she is going to tell you how she turned that course that originally nobody bought into a predictable revenue generator. This is the membership site that she has created. And it is honestly, it's paying for her entire living, which I think is just absolutely fantastic. So I'm going to go ahead and waste no more time, guys. Let's jump into the interview and I'll be back to wrap things up. Woohoo, Eden, I am so excited to have you here. And guys, it is very special because this is like a two-part episode over on Eden's podcast as well. So why don't you tell us all about your brand new podcast, where people can get to it. Of course, I'm going to have a link in the show notes, but tell us a little bit about the podcast first, and then we'll dive into a little bit about your backstory and what to do when a launch is a flop. Awesome. Well, first of all, Kate, thanks for having me. Inbox besties, thanks for having me too. I consider myself one of you guys. I love Kate's podcast. Um, And actually, she's an inspiration for me. I recently launched my podcast, Rebel Boss Ladies. It's got some good um, interviews on there all about how to create and launch the kind of business that gives you freedom and flexibility from whatever is just making you feel yuck in your life. So. Absolutely. Love that, guys. And why this is so special is because going live today in real time is an interview with your girl, Kate. (laughs) So, And over there, we talk about how to make people addicted at throwing plus fills of cash at you. So you'll get a little two-for-one type of day in your podcasting. How exciting. Awesome. Well, yeah, I'm really excited. I mean, I'm so glad that you were down to do like a two-part thing. I mean, it's so fun. It's the best. So why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself? Like, would you consider yourself like always entrepreneurial? How did you stumble upon like the online space? Spare us no gory details. Go ahead. Okay. There, there are many, many gory details here. (laughs) Uh, First of all, I never, ever considered myself entrepreneurial, the opposite of entrepreneurial, whatever that is, not entrepreneurial. Um, About, it it was like June 2016 and I was completely depressed in all honesty. I'm just like, I don't know how to describe the feeling of depression, but if you guys are listening and you've experienced that, like, don't really want to get out of bed feeling and just don't really have motivation, don't really know where your life is going, don't have that fulfillment in your life. That was exactly me. I mean, I was working um, in a really well-paying, high-benefits job, and you know, I seemingly had nothing to complain about, right? I mean, life was good. I had a secure job. I have a college degree. Everything was all sunshine, rainbows, and butterflies until it wasn't, right? Like until I'm like, this is, is this it? Is this all my life is going to be? Um, so I thought, you know what? I'm going to do something different. I'm going to go back to school and I'm going to be a lawyer. Well, here's a big fat spoiler alert. I actually never went to law school. (laughs) I decided while I was at my brother's wedding in Budapest, Hungary, um, he lived there. We're from the States, but he moved to Hungary, I don't know, like, I don't know, five, six years ago. And he is, he's an entrepreneur. Like he is 
Okay, guys, sorry if you're not allowed to swear. (laughs) You can swear. (laughs) (laughs) He's a really good entrepreneur, um, and I've always looked up to him in that way, but I've kind of separated myself from him thinking he got the entrepreneurial genes and I just got the opposite of those Um, because my parents are successful entrepreneurs as well. Um, So while I was at his wedding, he was like, why are you going to law school? Why are you going to take out a quarter million dollars in debt so that you can go sit in a corner office wearing a pantsuit for the rest of your life being miserable in like this high powered job. I mean, you're still going to be miserable. You're just going to be getting paid more to be miserable. So, you know what? I actually listened to him, which is something I didn't always do growing up. And the very next day I launched my blog and I had no idea what I was doing, Kate. I just had no idea. But you know what? It opened up like this whole new window of opportunity and the journey from then to now has been totally a roller coaster, but like a really incredible one. So uh, I have so many questions. So my first question is the first iteration of your blog, what did you blog about? Oh gosh, do I have to go into the gory details? No, I'm just kidding. I, I just like general <laughs> topic. Mine was a mindset blog, like my my real professional blog. Technically, my first blog was about the moon landing, but that was a school project. But my real like actual blog was about like mindset and minimalism. But mm-hmm. also people wanted organization stuff. And I'm like, I hate organizing. That's why I got rid of all my crap. So like <laughs> that didn't work. It's it's kind of like when you talk about the beginning blogs, it's kind of like showing someone yourself naked. I'm not going to lie. I mean, it just feels like, oh, here's like a really bad uh, example of me. But um, I started blogging about like website design. Um, So like I talked to, and I honestly had no idea what I was going to do because again, I just decided I wasn't a blogger beforehand. A lot of people transitioned from hobby blogging to blogging as a business. And that wasn't me. I was going headfirst into blogging as a business, hoping that it would be my career. And so I'm like, I don't know what I know. I know how to set up a website. So let me just start blogging about like design and WordPress themes and web hosting and different things like that. And at the same time, I decided to just be really transparent with anybody who is reading my blog and talk about my journey from almost going to law school to starting an online business. And so I just started talking about like freelancing because I had to obviously pay the bills somehow, keep the lights on and feed Mm -hmm. myself. So I was freelancing at the same time and I shared my experiences about that and it just, it just kind of escalated from there, but nothing pretty nothing fancy or good. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I bet you that it was fantastic. And I love that you are honest with your audience. Let them know like here, like I'm not at stage a thousand. I'm at a stage in like stage five and this is what I did to get here. I think that really documenting is just so powerful and so important, especially if you're trying to like cut through all like the fluff online. The biggest fluff is people trying to be like, oh, I make six figures. And then like they're broke. It's like, "Mm, but everyone in real life knows that you're not. (laughs) That's really interesting. And I also think that's interesting. And this fits right into your podcast about being rebellious. I love how you rebelled against being an entrepreneur because everyone else around you was. And it was more of like, oh, clamor to like safety and security. But when it bites, it bites that entrepreneurial bug. Yeah. I mean, I think that it was also a big mindset thing. I feel like a lot of times we bring ourselves down and kind of convince ourselves that we're not good enough to do something. And I definitely felt that way. I mean, I worked for my dad for a really long time. Um, my mom runs a really successful nonprofit business. And my dad, or my brother, like I said, he is a very successful entrepreneur running multiple uh, profitable websites online. 
And I think that I just thought to myself, how do they do that? I have no idea how they could do that. There's no way that I could ever do something similar. I just, I have like, where do you even start with that? So I told myself that for a long time. I really convinced myself that I was not capable of doing it. And I convinced myself, I don't have these entrepreneurial genes. Well, guess what? I mean, it's not something that's passed down through DNA. It's something what? that you learn over time. And I, I finally figured that out. Right. We're, we're, <laughs> we're a fun bunch. And I just wanted to applaud you really for just being brave and just being honest about how you were feeling depressed. I mean, you talked about here on this podcast, oh, I thought my business was killing me about anxiety and not to like say that we're different from the normies. That's what we call non-entrepreneurs here. But I feel like us entrepreneurs, since we do develop a higher risk tolerance, I feel like we are more susceptible to the super highs and the super lows. Like that's just us because we don't have a nine to five to go back to in a 401k. So I really enjoyed that part of your story. So today we are going to be talking about what to do if your launch fails. So I would love to know like, what's your story behind that? Like, did you have a launch that failed? What did you do? Or is this more so from like your students' perspective? Just go ahead and I'll randomly interrupt when I have questions. Yeah. So, I mean, this is a really great place to start because it actually leads into the first thing I want to mention is like, what is failure? You know, what, what, like, what's the definition of failure? And honestly, I think that we're mislabeling failure a lot um, because what I thought was my failure and I have, I have several, what I called failures at the time, um, but they really weren't failures. Uh, But before I I dive into that, I'll just share um, my first course sold nothing, like nothing at all. I mean, I'm just putting that out there, guys. I And actually, my first course was called Bread and Butter Blogging. And you guys may have like be familiar with that because I have a membership now, which is called Bread and Butter Blogging University. Um, the first iteration of that was like, but ugly, like really bad. Um, I thought it was good, but clearly no one bought it. And it was awful. And But I think the message here is that just because you have an ugly baby doesn't mean that it won't become pretty in the future. Um, (laughs) Just putting that out there. I mean, ugly babies, they grow into really beautiful people. (laughs) Excellent. Uh, I I love that so much. And um, I'm really interested. What do you consider the definition of failure? So uh, this is hard. It's hard to give just one definition. I mean, in terms of launching, failure is a a numbers game. Um, Failure is when the right percentage of people didn't buy your product. And it's not like something that you should get emotional about or cry about. Uh, Although like we were just talking about, we experience the highs and lows um, probably more than a regular everyday person does. So it can be hard to look at failure, quote unquote, with like a lack of emotion. And I can say that from personal experience because I've 100% cried about (laughs) my launches in the past, but it really is, it's math. I mean, if between 1% to 7% of your list did not buy something, that's when you start asking questions. So if less than 1% of your email list did not buy your offer, then you can be worried. And then you can go and take like a set of steps to work your way up to increasing that conversion rate. But I don't think it's anything that we should be like crying about. I like that. And I love that our definitions are very similar and that literally it's all data. 
Mm-hmm. Like, I think the biggest, if I had to pick a failure, it would be never actually launching the damn thing. Like, oh, so that, true. that is a failure because you've literally just, like, wasted your time and all this headspace that you didn't need to waste. But actually being brave enough to get something out there and to see, and I'm sure you're going to actually talk about the steps that we should take once we're like, okay, we closed the door and no one bought or, like, two people bought, what do we do now, is going to cover a little bit more of the logistics. So say like we've been working super hard underground on this course. Um, I don't know, maybe our audience size is a little bit on the smaller, maybe the medium end. Like what should we do when we shut the doors on that Friday and no one bought? I mean, the first step is just pat yourself on the back because, hey, you just accomplished something really amazing. How many people out there do you know that are just – going to their jobs every single day, like letting the days pass by without actually doing anything with them. Uh, You just, you did something really incredible. And that is something to just applaud yourself for. If no one else does, you should definitely pat yourself on the back. And I certainly am for you. (laughs) We're cheering for you. Yay, inbox besties. Woo! But I mean, truthfully, launching is all kinds of scary. Um, The fact that you went ahead and and did it, even if it didn't turn out the way you wanted to, is one step in the right direction. Um, The next thing after you applaud yourself and say, yeah, I mean, I did it. I lived. Nothing like exploded or, you know, crumbled before my very eyes. That's when you just take a step back and go to the doctor. Uh, I mean, the doctor, like, think about it. When you get sick, do you just like fall over and die? <laughs> no. No. We're laughing because we were talking about doctors in my episode of the Rebellion <laughs> podcast. It's true. I mean, I think a lot of times when people feel like their launch has failed, they they think I need to go make something different. Oh my gosh, the world is ending. Let me just abandon ship and start all over again. But that's not the case. I mean, if you think about it, when you get sick, when you get the flu, uh, you don't just like you don't just roll over and say, you know what, my body has failed me. Uh, it's time to just call it quits. No, you don't. You go to the doctor and the doctor analyzes you and t- takes your temperature and checks you out and says, okay, you know what? Guess what? You're going to live and here's what's going on. And that's exactly what you need to do with your quote unquote failed product. Like it can, you can get medicine to fix your failed product. <laughs> Before we have Dr. Eden come in and diagnosis, was anyone else thinking of like their spouse and like, oh, they just roll over and say their body failing me. I'm like, man flu, man flu. Yes. Have a hangnail, you're fine. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> my husband is the worst. I was going to say mine's the worst. And I'm sure all the viewers are like, oh, no, no, no. I am married the worst. (laughs) Just just as a side note, guys, just as a side note. So since the doctor is in, um, how do you go? Like, what tests are you going to run on us? Like, what prescription are you going to give us? Take us through the physical of our flopped launch. So one of the things that I always do is take a look at the people who did buy. Um, So if someone, even if you had like two or three people who bought, those are still people. And they have a lot of really quality information to give you. You don't just reward yourself for like, yeah, they bought. Now you have to go figure out why did they buy? What really attracted them to your offer? What was good about it? Was it like something on your sales page? Was it an email you sent? Was it something you said on the webinar? Was it a a 
question you answered on the webinar. I just I got off the phone actually earlier today with somebody who told me that there was one particular question, like a very specific question um, that I covered in one of my webinars. And she was like, yeah, you know what? I'm sold. I'm buying it. So that's really good information to know because if you are able to find a theme in what your customers are telling you that attracted them to your offer, you can blow that up and fix it for next time. And you can say, you know what, let me make this message even more clear so that I better attract those people who actually would have been interested in my offer. So don't, over, don't overlook the people who bought because they have a gold mine of information for you. So the next thing is, uh, and by the way, I'm just gonna expand on that and say, you don't have to just do a survey, guys. Uh, the way that I figure out how um, my customers were attracted to my offer, I send out a questionnaire that every new customer gets, and I literally just say in that questionnaire, why did you buy? That's it, nothing fancy, nothing scary, just I ask them why'd they buy, and some people blaze over the question and don't give me anything good, and some people, tell me like really specific stuff. Like I found you on Instagram and I loved your Instagram stories. And I was like, I need to be friends with you. And I, I trust you. And I had people like people say that. And by the way, my Instagram is basically non-existent. I mean, I have like maybe 600 followers on Instagram. And the fact that people are buying through my Instagram stories, I mean, here I am like promoting Instagram, but it, it's good to know that I should continue being on Instagram stories and continue to have a presence there. So don't feel like you need to do anything fancy. Just ask the question. Absolutely. Super definitely. And don't worry y'all, we're going to put a link to Eden's Instagram because I also have been binging on her Instagram stories. That way you guys can follow it as well. And I really like that questionnaire. And that actually goes back to an episode that we had a couple of weeks ago about the automated messages that you should be sending your list. And I'll put a link to it in the show notes. And you want to make sure that you're actually telling people like, why did you buy? What's something that could have us? Episode number 45 for automated emails you should be sending to your list. So you definitely want to make sure that you're getting them and you can blow them up. So what happens if we don't have anybody? Like what, you know, number should we be looking at? Like what are some potential red flags? What's that? Yeah. So, I mean, honestly, the fact that you didn't have anyone buy, again, go to those people who didn't buy and have that conversation with them and ask them, you know, what's up? Like, you, is there something that I could have done better? Is this not for you right now? Just have that conversation with them. And sometimes you don't even need to, like, send out a survey. You can just send out an email being like, I, I saw that you went through the sequence and I introduced you to my product. Was it just not the right time? Um, or, you know, was it a money thing? Thing, just have that conversation. And if you're feeling like you don't have the confidence over email, you can even, some people like to speak. I'm, I'm a speaker. I like phone better. Um, so I invite people to chats with me, like a, get on, I have like a Calendly link and I let people hop on. Uh, and that way I'm giving them value. I'm having like a strategy chat with them, but they are also giving me amazing information for how I can improve my offer. Marketing is tough. From figuring out what freebie to create to actually getting people there, signing it up, and never mind when it comes time to send that weekly newsletter, having the nerve to go ahead and hit send. You know what shouldn't be tough? Figuring out how to do all of those stuff in your email service provider, which is why I want you to check out ConvertKit. ConvertKit is the only email marketing software that was created by a pro blogger 
for pro bloggers, and they make it ridiculously easy to find out what your open rates are, have multiple freebies, but only send your welcome series once so you don't seem like a weirdo. And of course, guys, they come with stunning free landing pages. And guess what? As a listener of Inbox Besties, you can actually get a free 30-day trial to take a look under the hood to see how much easier it is than your current email software is. So head on over to katedoster.com forward slash CK to claim your free 30-day trial of ConvertKit. Once again, head on over to katedoster.com forward slash CK and claim your 30-day free trial now. But I do, you mentioned data, so I'm going to talk about the numbers a little bit more here. Um, So what is a a healthy percentage of people to actually buy? Um, It's a big range and it's Mm -hmm. widely debated. Um, So anywhere between 1% to 7% of your email list buying is a normal range. And I would say 7% is even really high. I don't know if you agree with that, Kate. Uh, Especially for, you got to love this old timers, especially for nowadays, it is... um, like just as a general, like some people is like, I'll be honest, I have a ridiculously high close rate, but I have a lot of different opportunities for people to become customers. And as we talk about in my podcast interview, that's one of the keys to get people addicted to throwing money at you. But I would say, especially if this is your first launch, guys, do not think in your head, you're going to do 7%. I would say focus on that one to two range. And then, you know, if you happen to hit four, that would be amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So just take a look at your numbers and figure out how low your conversion rate really was. If it was less than 1%, go and take a look at your email and figure out what was the open rate on your emails. Um, Because if people aren't even opening your email, then that's an easy problem to fix, right? You just need to spend some time figuring out how to write better subject lines. Or it's a matter of your lead magnet, your freebie, whatever, whatever you guys call it. It's a matter of that not attracting the right customer for your product. A lot of times it's just like a, a gap where your lead magnet and your offer doesn't actually align with each other. So no one is obviously going to buy it if they came in from your lead magnet. Hopefully that makes sense. And I didn't just confuse everyone. <laughs> it makes a lot of sense. I mean, talk about having like little breadcrumb paths or cookie crumbs, because let's be honest, cookies are more exciting than bread for most of us anyways, that actually makes sense. So, you know, maybe you've, you know, got a freebie and you're like, hey, but that's like totally related. Like if I've had a social media checklist, you'd be like, oh, well, that's totally related to email marketing, but it isn't. And if I'm going to present an offer to that particular segment of people, my emails to them need to be different. And I want you to actually speak to how many people should you actually have on your list before like you launch stuff? Cause I feel like some people like they either think like, Hey, I've got five people, all five will buy and I'll make a million dollars versus some people that are like, well, if I don't have, you know, 10,000 people, I shouldn't do anything. So where do you find this? Like the happy medium? Um, I would say like 200 people on your list. I mean, I, I'm, I'm a big believer that, you should create a product early on in your journey. Um, mm-hmm. because like we were talking about in the Rebel Boss Ladies episode, like you need to give your people value. Like it's your responsibility yeah. to be giving them what they need from you. Um, if you are appropriately obsessed with them or disproportionately mm-hmm. obsessed with them, as we talked about, like this is what you're supposed to be doing. You're supposed to be giving them incredible value. So I really believe that you should create a product as early on as possible. And I know that there are lots of people who disagree with me passionately, um, but that's my belief. 
That being said, you don't need to have thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people. I made a lot of money off of a very small list with less than 500 people on it. And I'm very open about that. It, and then at the same time, I have customers in my membership in BBBU who have um, major Instagram accounts, major email lists, and they're not making any money. So I would rather be in the boat where you have a small list, but you've monetized it successfully, as opposed to having like this, waiting till you grow this gigantic audience and they're not used to buying from you because you haven't offered them anything in however long you've been doing this for. Oh, I absolutely love this. And I say that's a million times too in the podcast. Now I can see why Eden and I need to have our crossover episodes, guys, because we're preaching to the same choir here, is that if you waited for that thousand, well, those other 99 people and like 99, 900 people are going to be sad that you didn't really give them anything to do. And that's sort of important. So I do have one other question. So we went through, well, a couple. So we went through, we gave ourselves a little bit of slack, y'all. Grace, if you want to be super woo-woo about it. We sat down and we looked at the numbers. So we looked at, you said to look at, you know, conversion rates, open rates, you know, list size, making sure that there's continuity and congruency between our freebies, actually going ahead and emailing those people who didn't buy versus people who did buy. Like, what do you do, and this is very case specific, but I know this has happened to some listeners. What do you do if say you're doing like a group coaching program and it's like, there's five spots, but then you only sell two? Like, what then? Like, how do you handle that to like the other two people that bought? I absolutely love that you brought this up, Kate, because I know that this is a big concern for a lot of people. We don't want to be embarrassed. Like as humans, we hate that feeling of embarrassment and it's almost crippling. Like I know, I know, Kate, you're probably, you've probably experienced this at some point. I mean, you're going to experience it if you haven't already, but embarrassment, we, we like to save face as entrepreneurs. We want to appear successful at all times, but here's the thing. The two people that bought, they bought for a reason. They bought because you have value to provide. They bought because they trust you and they really believe that you're going to help them achieve whatever it is they're trying to achieve. Be honest with them. And if you want to, apologize. I mean, if you really believe that like this is going to hurt their experience, then just be honest with them and say, you know what, like this, this is what happened. And I'm, I'm a human too. And I, I really believe I can still serve you, but it's obviously not going to be as big of a group as we thought. And if you're okay with that, great. And if not, I understand that too. But I think they'll surprise you. I think the majority of your customers will be like, thank you for being honest with me. And you know what? Let, let's just do this anyway. I don't know if you have a different opinion on that. I absolutely wholeheartedly agree with that. And I love, you know, being honest with your people. And I love the fact that you turn this negative into a positive and you literally tell them like, dudes, you don't have to call them dudes, but dudes, like you hit the cosmic lottery. It's like to get this much one-on-one time with me will literally cost you like tenfold, but the universe clearly had your back and you only have to share me with one other person. And then that they feel good because then they're in an exclusive group and they actually get more of you, but I definitely agree with you about saving space and about trying to avoid embarrassment. Now, if you're like, you know, how to sell out your group programs and you've had 10 spots and you sold two, I can see why. But again, yeah. you can always spin this like into a positive or be very honest with your people and break down why you like ironically do a case of why you think this launch went the way it did. 
So that way they can learn from your mistakes and you can learn from your mistakes and you'll actually have a stronger bond. So I love that. I have another question. It doesn't necessarily have to do with failed launches, but it's more of an evolution because I think this tied into your launch of the bread and butter blogging course didn't go as well as you had hoped. So then you turned it into a membership. What was that evolution like? Did you have like other products in between? How did you get from course to membership site? Like, I'd love to hear more about that journey. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, I've actually never thought about it in terms of how did I get from there to here because it just happened so organically. Um, I did what you shouldn't do and I abandoned my course. I don't recommend that you guys abandon your course, but I did. What I actually did was I turned the course into an ebook. Um, still didn't really sell anything at all. Um, and I clearly learned that I need to do better with my messaging. Like I'm obviously not successfully conveying the value of this program. I'm obviously not speaking to the right people. Um, you know, something is missing here. Wasn't really sure what it was, but I did at the same time start to notice like, here are some other pain points that people are experiencing. Here are um, some different areas where my customers, my potential customers, I should say, are struggling. So at the same time, I was drastically growing my Pinterest account back in the day when followers on Pinterest actually meant something. Mm -hmm. um, and I had like my Pinterest account, I didn't even ever use Pinterest like as a just like regular old person, not an entrepreneur. So I joined Pinterest late in the game and my account grew really, really quickly. So I just, people were asking me, how are you doing that? Like, can you please tell me? And so I put it into a course. Um, I started selling that course. And then people started asking me, oh, how'd you grow your email list so fast? Um, so I started putting that into a course and I did a list building challenge. And then all of a sudden I had this like, pile, if you will, of courses that taught like a bunch of different subjects. And I thought, you know what? I actually kind of inadvertently expanded on the bread and butter blogging course into all these different other courses. Let's put this in a membership. Um, but before I did that, I actually pre-sold it. I wanted to know if people would actually buy it this time around because let's be real, who wants to go through that experience of a failed launch twice? No one. <laughs> So I'm like, let's do it better this time before I invest any money, any time or effort into actually creating this membership. Let me do a webinar and pitch it and see if my customer really wants it. Because again, this is for them. If they don't want it, why should I create it? I'm here to serve my customer. So I did the webinar and I had like a 30% conversion rate on the webinar. And love some webbies. <laughs> yeah. I mean, webinars are amazing, guys. If you haven't tried them yet, I love them. Um, totally a webinar convert. And so I did that 30% conversion rate, which, guys, you usually can expect like 1% to 7%. But 30% on a webinar is extremely telling. And I knew people were waving their money at me for a product that didn't even exist yet. So I knew, you know what, I have to make it. And about four weeks later, I launched the actual membership. And it's history. Still there. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's interesting. So I, I love how, and we talk a lot about this in the episode for the Rebel Boss Ladies podcast about how you weren't necessarily married to the vehicle or the offer. You were married to the person and the problem. And I love how you're like, okay, it didn't work with this. Let's try an ebook. Okay. Like that could have been better. And I love how you brought up messaging. And I think that that's really the other half of that equation, the left brain, right brain type of scenario where it's like, you know, one side is all like analytics, you know, it's a numbers game. And the second one is, are you expressing yourself 
to the right people and in the way that they need to hear about it. So I absolutely love this. Maybe we'll have to have another jam session about our love of webinars. Sadly, I feel like I have not done enough of them this year. For some reason, they've escaped me, but I love me some webinars. Oh, yeah. Same. (laughs) They're the absolute best. So go ahead and tell us actually all about the membership site. Well, actually, you know what? We're going to back up, guys. We're going to see if we can get some real juicy details out of Eden real quick. Can you describe to us besides the the pre-sale webinar for the launch of your mastermind, what else did you do for that membership site launch? So are you asking about like the very beginning when I first launched it or kind of? Yeah. Okay. So basically I did that uh, pre-sale webinar um, and it, it happened. Let's see. I launched the entire membership on January 16th. Um, so the pre-sale happened like the first week of December. And so those people who actually purchased the membership, they waited about six weeks till they actually saw anything, um, delivered to them. But what I ended up doing was I did the same webinar all over again. Um, you know, repurpose the content that exists, guys. If it works, keep using it. Yeah, so I, I used the same exact slides, the same pitch, everything, because it worked so well. The first time I figured, you know what, let's do it again. And it worked just as well the second time around. Again, 30% conversion rate on that. But the difference was that this time people didn't have to wait six weeks to get the membership. They got everything instantaneously, which gave it even more power. Because I mean, if you were able to tell someone, if you click that buy now, that pretty fancy buy now button, like instantly you get everything that you have ever been waiting for. Um, So it worked really well and had this like big launch. It was about a week long launch. In addition to that, I did have some JV webinars with other people who had kind of crossover audiences and wanted to be able to share the opportunity to join the membership with their people. So I was busy, honestly, on webinars like every single day of that. I think it was like a six day launch window. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I mean, I lost my voice by the end of it, but... (laughs) The webinar strategy works like amazingly well. <laughs> and I'm sure that you probably talk about that in the membership community. I'm sure there's oh, yeah. a course. Oh, yeah. Uh, all about the powers of Webby's. And I have one more question, but first of all, I just want to applaud you for not creating another webinar from scratch, for knowing what worked, from maybe tweaking like a minor thing. But I love the fact that you were taking that webinar on the road because now, since you've done it so much live and you know how much well, I should say, it converts, that's something that's very easily could be put it into an, you know, an automated webinar funnel where I see a lot of my students are like, oh, I just want to jump into automated webinars. I'm like, no, I'm like, one, there's just, there's just some feeling difference between live and recorded. And I don't want you putting all of your money into a dead webinar. So I love that you paraded it around. And the second question that I had is, uh, I'm assuming that you spent a lot of time in between besides making your content, growing your list. So the people that went to the first webinar or that heard about the first webinar, did you invite them to the second one back in that you had in January as well? No, I didn't because they were segmented them out. Yeah, segmented them as customers. They were getting a different series of emails to kind of keep them excited because again, they didn't Oh no, the people that didn't buy. Oh yeah. The people who didn't buy, yeah, they definitely were invited again to the same webinar. Um, I did change the wording around a little bit. Like I changed the title of the webinar, even though it was the same content, but you know what? They didn't join the first time. So I knew I had to switch something a little bit, but no one ever has ever said anything to me about repurposing content. Like that is what I wanted to hear. I feel like a lot of people, especially if they're like, Oh, like you know, how do I parade my webinar around or could I do the same one? Or sometimes like it was a month, (laughs) almost what, six weeks in between guys 
not to mention like all the other ones, like it is perfectly okay. But even sometimes to recycle some emails, I've never heard anyone get mad at me. They're usually like, oh, thanks. Like I forgot about this. I'm so glad you reminded me. And you know what, actually just to add to that point, um, we talked about how I have that questionnaire in the beginning when a customer joins and they, I add, I have that question there. Um, how did you find me? And the second question is, uh, what attracted you? And what I noticed this past launch that I did, a lot of people have been on my webinar multiple times. Um, And I don't know why they they really like being on the same webinar over and over again. Um, But it took them three iterations of that webinar to be like, yeah, you know what, now it's time. But they liked watching. Some people even watched it multiple times. And that's (laughs) totally cool. I mean, it's a good one. (laughs) Absolutely love this. So I know we've been beating around the bush, y'all, and you want to hear about this membership site extravaganza. So go ahead and tell us all about it. Also, if you had a freebie that you want to let us know, how can we get more Eden in our life besides your Instagram stories? Yeah, so breadandbutterblogging.com is where you can learn all about the membership. But if you are somebody who is really sick and tired of like, affiliate marketing and waiting for random affiliate sales to come in every now and again, or you're trying to get sponsorships and just like not successful at that yet because you realize you need to have tons of people on your Instagram following you in order to land a sponsorship deal, or um, you're like really tired of freelancing because there's only so much time in the day, you know, and time is money, right? Then you're probably going to be a really great candidate for bread and butter blogging you. Uh, It teaches you how to create and launch a digital product within a 90-day window. Um, If you're not familiar with digital products, guys, digital products are... I don't know. What's the, what's the word to describe them? The Life best. Changing? <laughs> the best. Yeah. I mean, they, they the really will change bees. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, digital products have totally changed my life and all of the different entrepreneurs that I rub shoulders with virtually on a day-to-day basis agree with me. I know Kate is definitely in that camp as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so creating a digital product is an asset in your business that you control. You control the price, you control the messaging, and it creates that amazing thing called passive income. A passive income, the kind of income that comes in like, I don't know, while you're on the toilet or <laughs> while you're putting putting your kids to sleep or while you're out with your husband, wherever you are, passive income comes in without much effort after you do the groundwork to set it up. So that's what Bread and Butter Blogging You is, a membership that teaches you in 90 days how to get that amazing, life-changing digital product off the ground. Yay! So how can we find that? Yeah, so breadandbutterblogging.com. You'll find all of the information about uh, what it is, what's included, all the bonuses, all that good stuff, um, and how you can join. And if it's not open, there will be a waitlist form that you can sign there as well. Um, and then you can definitely follow me on Instagram, instagram.com forward slash Eden Freed. Freed spelled like fried chicken. Right? <laughs> kind of crazy. You definitely had to have said that like a million times in your life. I wish it was F-R-E-E-D, but it's Eden Freed, F-R-I-E-D. And I talk all about digital products and all about the membership all the time. So if you're interested in how to change your life with a digital product, definitely join me there. All right. So you've got two more final wrap-up questions. First, how did you come up with the name Bread and Butter Blogging? I can't believe I didn't ask. Oh, I honestly, I have a love-hate relationship with the name, but Bread and Butter Blogging, um, 
bread and butter, the term, it means like, this is what you live off of. Um, so, you know, if you're not an English speaker, that, you, that might be lost on you, but <laughs> bread and butter, like this is, people used to say, oh, your husbands earn the bread and butter, but you know, nowadays the rebel boss ladies can earn the bread, bread and butter and, you know, all of us can earn the bread and butter <laughs> by uh, creating a digital product online. So that, that's kind of where I came up with that name. <laughs> I, I love that so much. Kind of like the podcast is my bread and butter of my content that I create. Ooh, yeah. It is so fun. So do you have any more parting words for your peeps? Anyone who maybe is a little down in the dumps, just any parting words you'd like to have? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just know that wherever you are in your journey is perfectly okay. And it's not like permanent. I mean, I started from absolutely nothing, like totally nothing, totally depressed and miserable and had no money coming in. And I just kind of kept going. Like the one thing you have to do is keep showing up and keep putting one foot in front of the other. So if you're feeling like that, there, you know, there's a lot of opportunity to change that. Just have to take the action. I absolutely love it. And thank you so much for coming on the Inbox Besties podcast. Y'all, you know, to you go ahead, click the cover art. All of the links are there in the show notes. I love that interview. I could have talked to Eden for hours. I know I always say this with every guest, but I feel like we'll definitely have Eden back because it was just, oh, there's so much more stuff that we could talk about. So I just wanted to pull away some key takeaways from the interview. And the first thing that I think is just absolutely fantastic is that you have to realize, guys, maybe after you have that ugly cry, just get one to get it out of your system. Is that really there are two parts to every single launch that you need to be looking at? And that is, is your messaging on point? And did you actually get it in front of enough people? I feel like those are really the two biggest catalysts. It's not you. It's not that your product sync. It's just, are you explaining it in a way to the right people? And did you actually get those people? Another point that I really, really love, and so I wanted to bring this up, because it is very, very popular in the online space, is that if you are going to have some type of freebie that's actually going to be selling this product or service. So say you have an ebook and maybe you created like a little checklist and then later on you pitch people this ebook. You need to make sure that your freebie is congruent. Yes, obviously you can be sending emails in between the two, but like I said in the interview, if I had a social media checklist, but then I try to sell you a course on funnels, it's not as congruent. It's not as an easy sell because I need to take you so far away and be like, yeah, social media is fine, but you need to adjust for a funnel. So you want to make sure that you're setting not only yourself, but your customers up for success. And I also loved really how Eden said you just didn't have to do like surveys. I love that after she does a launch, she'll actually reach out to some people who didn't buy her product and ask if they'll get on the phone. I believe she calls them a free strategy session. You know, she's probably like, hey, I want to ask you a couple of questions and then I can help you a little bit personally. I think that if you have the time, especially if you are newer, you need to make the time to get on that phone call and make sure that you're recording it. So I love Zoom for all those things. You can head on over to katedoster.com forward slash Zoom to get your free account there. So that way you can actually re-watch it and actually listen for the phrases that people are using because that is gold. That's how you improve your messaging. So guys, that is it for this week. I'll be back in your ear holes on Monday, of course, with a brand new action item for you to do to help you grow your business, blog, or your mindset. And I'll see you then. Thank you for having Inbox Besties in your ear holes today. Why don't we go ahead and make it a regular thing? Go ahead and slap that subscribe button now. And while you're at it, why don't you go ahead and take a screenshot and tag me over on your Instagram stories, Kate underscore Doster, so that way I can give you a shout out for being a bestie of the week. Later days.